This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 65. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Kamanzi Constable to the Baller Circle. Kamanzi is a consultant to companies around the world on topics such as leaders' mindset, the author of four, four books, and has sold over 100,000 copies. He's the writer for large publications such as Entrepreneur, Success Magazine, The Huffington Post, and 11 others. He is an international speaker and a consultant who has been paid to speak in 38 countries. I wanted to welcome Kamanzi to the show because um, from what I've seen, he has a business model that is super interesting and he's taken his business in a direction that I think a lot of other people haven't really thought about. I know I personally haven't thought about it, so I'm just kind of curious to know uh, how Kamanzi uh, was able to to build this business. So, Kamanzi, I'm glad to have you on the show and I really want to... Um, dig into these things. Before we get started on all that, I want to know uh, about your background. So where did you grow up and what was life like uh, growing up? Yeah. Hey, Michael, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here on the show. Um, I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I lived there for 30 odd years of my 36 years of life. Um, so Milwaukee was, was definitely home. In 2014, I actually made the move to Maui, Hawaii, and lived there for a few years, and then after that, really got going on this uh, consulting work and being able to travel for consulting. But growing up, you know, I had a typical childhood. The one thing that probably stood out was my love of books, which eventually led me to want to write. And that's all I did growing up was write. I just wrote, 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 wrote all kinds of stuff. When I was 17, um, I grew up in a pretty crazy home, and when I was 17, I was forced to leave, and I was homeless. And during that time is when I kind of gave up on my dream of being a writer. I had to get some jobs to survive, and it was just about survival at that point. Well, at 19, um, I had the opportunity to start my fir- first business, which was a service-based business in the vendor industry. It was uh, I was running vacation relief routes for independent bread delivery drivers. And there were a lot of these, um, you, you've seen them every day when you go to the grocery store, the people that deliver brown berry, or, or they call it or wheat in most, most of the country, people that deliver bimbo bakeries, people that deliver Schneider's and Little Debbie, and a lot of these other brands that you see in your grocery store, you may not even realize, but these are independent contractors. Mm-hmm. So I had a business that would run their routes so that they could go on vacation. And that business grew to a half a million dollar a year business. I had six employees in three states, but because I was like a dumb 19 year old kid, I didn't understand the finances and taxes and a lot of other things. And so I completely mismanaged the money, which meant I was always on the bread truck for most of those years. So I did that for 12 years. I had that business, Michael. And then in 2011, which is, you know, kind of where the story connects is, I wanted to self-publish a book, <clears throat> excuse me, that talked about what the everyday working person went through. And I didn't know anything about the internet or internet marketing or any of this stuff. And so I just kind of put this self-published book out there thinking that somehow on the internet people would see it and buy it. 
and it didn't work that way. <laughs> I put this book out there, and nobody bought it. Um, and it was devastating. It really was devastating because I had a lot of hopes for because being a writer was my dream. But what it caused me to do was re- realize that I needed to study internet marketing, book sales. I need to study and figure out this whole internet thing. So I spent most of 2012 figuring out how to build an audience. When I when I came down to it, the key, the missing ingredients that I had, the missing ingredients that most people have is that they don't have an audience. And I'm not talking about social media. I'm talking about an email list. I'm talking about the people that go to your website, the people that are engaged in what you're doing. So 2012 was really my audience building year. That year, I ended up guest posting, if everybody remembers what that is, I ended up guest posting uh, 60 times. I was on 60 different blogs that year. I was able to get on some podcasts. I was on over 80 podcasts that year. And between the podcast and the guest posting, um, I was able to bring half a million visitors to my website that year. And by the end of that year, I had sold 45,000 copies of my two books. I had some opportunities to do some coaching. I had opportunities to do some local speaking gigs that were actually paid, not for a lot, but they were paid. And I had a business that was doing about, an online business that was doing about 5,000 a month. So at that point, I sold the bread business. Uh, 2013, I was fully into this online business stuff. Um, I was I was fully doing it, and from there it was a matter of learning how to grow. That took us to 2014 when I discovered that I, as a writer, could write for large uh, media publications. So without knowing anything about anything, I just started sending off some pitches. And, you know, 2014, it was not a lot of people were doing it back then. So I sent off some really good pitches that got accepted. I got into entrepreneur, got into success, Ask Men, uh, Mind by the Green, a lot of really cool sites. And that is really what skyrocketed my business um, because I started getting email subscribers in droves. Like I, I remember I put out one article on Mind Body Green that was shared over a hundred thousand times and wow. it brought 7,000 email subscribers to my website in a month. And I would have hits like that all throughout that year and all throughout the next couple of years. Um, so my business leapfrogged and that would bring us to 2015 when after writing for these places and getting exposure in the right publications, I had gotten my first offer from a company that said, Hey, we've been following you for a while on these publications. We'd love for you to come in and expand upon this in a training at our company. And that was my real first chance to go international. I had done a lot of little local consulting gigs in Milwaukee, um, but this was my first chance to go international. And it took me to this trip, it took me to Madrid, Spain, and then it also took me to Israel um, on the same trip. So it was, a, it, was, it was a pretty cool trip. But then, as they say, you know, the rest is history. You know, now I have a business that takes me to 16 countries a year for consulting work and a lot of other cool things, which we're going to get into. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so, so you, you, you start out building an audience, guest posting and getting on podcasts. How did you figure out which shows, what podcasts to get on and which, uh, which blogs this is to make guest posts to? Uh, I would do any that would take me. There was no okay. <laughs> no science to it. I just wanted to get exposure everywhere I could. So sometimes I was on like the most off-brand podcast and I tried to make it work for my message. I was on like a blog that probably wouldn't work, but I tried to tailor the article to get to make it relevant to me. I just would go wherever anybody would take me. Hmm. Okay. I like that. So, I, Go ahead. Were you going to say something else? Well, yeah, because I remember the funniest thing was 
when I was in Milwaukee, there was a show. This woman had a show. And she reached out and she's like, I'd love for you to be on my show. Come into my studio. And she's like, I just want to tell you, like, I have one listener. And I'm like, oh, yeah. She's like, I have just one confirmed listener in Hawaii. And she's like, do you want to come on the show anyway? I'm like, okay, we'll come. So I brought my two best friends in Milwaukee. And we went to her studio, which was in the back of a butcher shop. <laughs> so we got to this butcher shop. And we're like, is this the right place? She's like, yeah, she's in the back. So we go to the back. There's this makeshift studio on milk crates. And it was hilarious. And we do this interview, you know, like we're acting like a million people are listening, right? <laughs> and it was, it, I think it was like literally one listener. Who knows? It could have been more. But that one listener ended up becoming a coaching client. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I, and I, and I love that because it's like, you know, every opportunity that's presented to you, you never know what could come of it, right? And you, you decided to do the show anyway, despite the fact that the person told you they, were, they only had one listener. And, uh, and you turned it into something great. So that's, that's awesome. So, you know, so you, you write this first book. What was it? What was the first book about? It was called Tales of the Everyday Working Man and Woman. And it was just a book about the struggles that the everyday blue collar working person goes through. And it was kind of a, a manual to them to say, hey, you don't have to do this. There's another way. Okay. Okay. I like that. So you, you, eventually get to build up your audience uh you get to get invited to speak at different companies when they were reaching out to you what was the pitch what did they what kind of things they wanted to, did they want you to speak on initially uh, initially it was a lot of digital marketing and branding so it was a lot of how do you market in the digital age through digital media and when it when i say digital marketing i'm talking about everything digital marketing so like podcasting um, social media marketing, product launches, email marketing, content creation. So anything related to marketing online, a lot of companies, even today, this, you know, that was a couple years ago, even today, companies still pay for that like crazy because they don't understand how to market online. Hmm. So they, so they did, how did you figure out like what to charge them, what your pricing structure was going to be? Well, I, I had done some local consulting gigs. Like my very first consulting gig was in Milwaukee, and I had done some social media marketing for a local McDonald's franchise owner. And I had no science to it, so I just said, give me 500 bucks. And he's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I did a good job for him, and he recommended me to a few other local companies. Um, so that was, the I didn't have any clue as far as pricing goes. But then when I really started getting into corporations, I didn't have any science or any research or anybody who was doing this. So I couldn't look to say, oh, yeah, this person was charging this month. So without knowing anything, I asked them to cover all of the travel and they had to pay me at least a thousand dollars an hour for the presentations that they wanted. Hmm. And these presentations were generally two to four hours. So that, that, there was no science to it. I just said, OK, a thousand dollars an hour sounds really great. You cover my expenses and boom. But then. <laughs> After I uh, had the, the very first one that I did, I sat down with the HR manager, the guy that had brought me in, and we, we had a meal, and I said, you know, tell me, what do consultants typically charge for something like this? And he said, I'm going to be honest with you, you lowballed it. <laughs> He's like, consultants normally charge uh, for something like this, normally charge between three and $8,000 an hour. Wow. That's, at least that's what we've seen in our company, and that's what we're comfortable paying. And then, of course, getting your expenses covered. 
So after that, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to lowball anymore. So every consulting gig I did after that, I would charge them at least $5,000 an hour. Wow. So do they do they usually tell you how long they want you to speak for? Or do you tell them this is my package, it's four hours or whatever, and this is what I do? Yeah, so you, it's, you tell them this is what my package or packages is more accurate. You give them several different options. Hmm. You know, you might give them an option for a one-off where you go in there and give a one-off presentation that's two to four hours and you're done. You might give them a multiple package deal where you say, hey, I'll come in over a series of two weeks. Maybe I'll come in three three times and I'll give these presentations and I'm done. Yeah. And then you might have like a Mac Daddy package where you say, I'll come in several times. I'll give you access to some material like some documentation, some templates, or maybe even some video training. And then I, I might even do some office hours depending on where the company is, where some employees can sit down and just ask you some questions one-on-one. Hmm. So that's awesome that you you had the foresight to think, I'm going to ask this guy, <laughs> you know, while I'm here and I have him, uh, what other people are charging. Because, yeah, if you didn't ask that question, you probably would have never known that you never were known. substantially uh, being underpaid. But, but the thing is, it's it's awesome because I'm sure in the beginning you were probably, ha- at least I would have been happy to get $1,000 an hour of my expenses paid and get to fly and, and speak at a company. But like, then you realize, wait oh, a minute, yeah. I can make I can make five <laughs> times this and still have my expenses paid and have this great trip. So that's that's pretty amazing, and that, uh, you know. And so I, I I think that a lot of people need to need to think about that and making sure that you're always doing your pricing research and making sure that uh, you're not leaving money on the table. Uh, so that was really smart of you. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's different because I grew up in I, I grew up <laughs> I started in the internet marketing world where we're used to certain things, right? And things being a certain way and certain kind of pricing. So this idea of one thousand or even five or eight thousand dollars an hour, it kind of blew my mind. You know, I didn't think that I could charge that kind of money, or I didn't even know that people were charging that kind of money. It was a little bit of a self limiting belief and just not understanding. And it took a while to wrap my head around that and to feel comfortable asking for that amount of money because it just was something I wasn't used to. Hmm. So let's so for someone who's interested in getting into this, you know, corporate consulting uh, game, how how do you get in? How do you get introduced? I know you said a lot of them reached out to you because of the publications that you were writing in. Um, but what advice would you have so for to someone who's maybe listening to this right now and thinking like, I would love to do that? Where, where should what should they do? Uh, you have to build up your social proof first because companies only hire who they feel like are experts. Okay. And it has to be social proof that they understand. And by that, what I mean is in, in the internet marketing space, we throw around a lot of things as social proof. Like you might see somebody say, I'm a number one Amazon bestselling author, or I have a new noteworthy podcast or something like that, which we would understand in the internet marketing space, that's not going to be understood in the mainstream corporate space. That's going to be like, you know, I blah, 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 right? It's, <laughs> it's not, it's not going to be. So what you looking for, instead of doing that, being an author is social proof. It's good credibility, especially if you're an author around the topic that you're trying to consult on. So if you wrote a book on dating and you're trying to consult on digital marketing, it's probably not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're an author of a book, that's some good social proof. If you write for large business and personal development publications, that's very good social proof because those names in those publications are what businesses read 
to get advice, to get instructions. That's what they go to. That's what they know. That's what they understand. Mm. And that's what they trust. So writing for some pubs would be really, really good for you. Um, doing podcast interviews with, where you talk about your subject matter. Um, and, and they can go back and they can listen to those and they can hear you riffing about your topic. That's some good social proof as well. If you build up a good social media presence around your topic and where you're sharing information about your topic, that's good as well. Um, and then you're going to start local. You're not going to start with your first your first consulting gig being international. I mean, it's, it's definitely possible, but it's probably not likely. Probably what's likely is you're going to start where you live and you're going to find some smaller company that is owned by a person where you can go in and you could talk to the owner of that business and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is the need that your company has. Um, I'd love to talk to you about how I can help your company increase the bottom line. And when you're starting local with uh, an owner, they have the ability to put a check in your hands. When you're dealing with a, a corporation, a midsize, or even a larger company, you have to go through you have to go through a lot of hoops. So, like every big deal that I have had has taken like at least three to five months to put together, and most people do not have the patience for that hmm. because they go through your entire platform. Um, especially if it's a really large company, they want to make sure that nothing that you do is going to come back on them, like especially publicly. So they'll go through all your, your social media posts as much as they can to make sure you haven't said anything like crazy or racist or offensive or anything like that. They'll check out all your content on your site. They'll check out information about you online. They're really doing a, a really thorough investigation of who you are before they feel comfortable bringing you in. That once they feel like they got the green light, then you become a registered vendor. Um, then you got to go through the contract process where you're going back and forth on those. And after, you know, uh, a period of time, then you can finally, <laughs> finally uh, lock in the deal and get the gig. So the larger companies, they're going to take time and they're not even going to give you the time of day if you have not done. Um, so you don't have previous consulting experience. And when I say previous consulting experience, they're going to want references that they can get on the phone and follow up with. They're actually going to follow up with all of your references. So if you say, yeah, I've done some consulting at a company, but you don't have a reference for them to follow up with, it's going to, it doesn't count. <laughs> so that's why you, that's why you, and a, and a lot of people do that, right? Or maybe you have done some consulting, you just don't have the contact or whatever. That's not going to help you. So that's why you want to start local where you can build up some local work and you can get some references so that a larger company could follow up with them. And then again, where you can get in front of the decision maker. Hmm. But so to get started, to, 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 to recap, it's you have to have the social proof. So you, if you don't have that right now, that's what you should be working on. You should be working on building up your social proof, your resume, getting a few things on your resume, a few things on your social proof so that you can be seen as an expert in your topic. And it can't be cross topics. You can't have built this huge audience on personal development or I'm sorry, on like fitness or something like that. And then try to uh, brand yourself as a digital marketing consultant. It doesn't work with the branding. So you have to build up the social proof around your topic. Then you're looking for local companies that fit your need. You could find local companies by just looking around where you live. You can get your local business journal that will list off a lot of the companies in your area. So whether it's the business journal online or like the actual physical paper, um, it'll list off a lot of local companies and the different type of companies in your local area. But find some companies that you feel like would be a really good fit for you. And then you're looking for a problem that you can solve relating to your topic. 
And if you find a company that's that looks good, you can go put them in a website like Glassdoor, Glassdoor.com, which will give you a lot of information about the companies from actual employees of the company. So they'll tell you all the dirty stuff in there. And they'll tell you <laughs> a lot of the problems that are going on. And when you see the same recurring problem and if it you know fits with what you do, then you know that there's a need in that company for you. You can approach that business owner with some tact. You don't want to say like, look, everybody says you suck. So you should hire me, right? You want to approach them with some tact. Say, hey, there's a, I see that there's a need here. I'm an expert in it. Here's my resume. Here's how I could help you. And here's how much my consulting services cost. Mm-hmm. And if you put together a presentation that's based off of research, so research of the problem, research of how what you do can help the company's bottom line. And when you say, um, uh, let's say you were a health and fitness consultant, you'd say, hey, if we establish a well-being program in your company, it's going to help your company's bottom line. Don't just say that. Back it up with the research. Go find the research online that says 27% of companies that have a well-being program end up increasing their bottom line by 15% according to Business Week. Right? Go get the research and show them from research that this is going to help their bottom line and then show them how what your program how your program is going to help them and what it's going to cost. Hmm. I like that. So uh, let's let's kind of talk about I'm I'm curious about this whole like social proof thing. So you're writing for these really well known publications. How do people get into that? How how do you get to write for Entrepreneur Magazine and Success Magazine and things like that? Where where does that process start? Well, it's a lot harder now than when I started. But basically, you don't need a connection. You don't need to be connected to some influencer or blah, 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 blah. It's all about a good pitch, and it's all about a good pitch article. So you study the publication. You get a really good feel for their content, especially what ends up being popular on that publication, and you write an article. You write an article that is in line with what's popular in that publication, and you pitch it to the publication. Um, if you have done your research and you write the right type of article, like it feels really good, it feels like it's in their style, you add, again, if you add some research to that article and you pitch it, they base their decision solely on the pitch. They don't base their decision on who you are. Hmm. So who do you? Uh, who, who would you send that to? Uh, you would send it to one of the editors there, the editor of the section that you're looking to write for. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's basically who you send it to. You don't really want to fill out the form that they have where it says become a contributor form because that's those forms rarely get looked at. So you're really looking for a specific editor to send it to. Okay, so you, you go on the site, you figure out who the editor is, you find that person's email address, you just email them directly, and then just yes. say, hey. Yeah, I, their email addresses are usually on the site. Okay, and then just say, hey, I, you know, I'm. This is who I am. This is my background. I, I wrote this article that I think would fit well with your publication. Can you review it and let me know if, uh, if, if this is a good fit for you? Is that typically? Yes. Okay. All right. I yeah, like that. that's typically it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there's a, uh, you know, like a, a few more steps in there, and of course, there's like the little secret sauce stuff. But that's that's definitely like the stuff that I teach in my classes and my courses. Okay. Now, are you getting paid for these articles, or or is the articles you're you're just writing more for? Uh, to build up your social proof. Oh uh, yeah, some publications pay and some pay well. There's definitely a, a few of the larger publications that do pay. Okay, so someone who's getting started, should they expect to be paid or should they? <laughs> no. Okay. You shouldn't expect to be paid when you're started um, because you don't have 
the experience yet and you haven't gotten to a few places yet. So once you got a few under your belt, then you can start looking to pitch in some of the ones that do pay. And when you have a few under your belt, you can say, hey, look, I have a few under my belt. I'm ready for the big time. Okay. All right. I like that. So um, when you were talking before about uh, having the social proof and having congruency between like, you know, I'm, I'm a digital marketing consultant and this is this is the kind of work that I do. I remember you were saying that your first book um, was about working class, the struggles of working class people. Um, and so how, how did you pivot from that to digital marketing? How did that, I guess, transition happen? Uh, it happened because while well, researching how to build an audience, then it just brought me into the world of digital marketing and understanding digital marketing. Okay. But when I had my first book, that was really a passion project and I didn't have like a core message for what I did. And so I had like this brand that was kind of wonky brand. It was kind of about the working person and, and what they're going through. And it was kind of about like chasing your dreams and stuff. And it was just like a will, will it really wonky branding um, where I had to, I had to understand that the umbrella for everything that I have to do, my core message, it had to be something that was practical. It had to be something that people understood. Otherwise they weren't going to invest their time and money. So when I thought about like, what is my real passion? What do I really want to help people do in life? That's when I came to this idea of lifestyle business and lifestyle business, meaning you're building a business around your life, not your, your life around your business, which a lot of people do for a lot of people, it's business first and then life. For me, I wanted it to be life first and then the business supported that life. And a lifestyle business normally involves writing, speaking, writing books, coaching, consulting, travel. You know, it's kind of this mix of like entrepreneurship with meets digital nomad meets online business. Hmm. And that's that's what I'm really passionate about is, you know, I I honestly try to work as least amount of hours as possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I read the four hour work week back in the day and I, I don't know if anybody could really do that, right? But just that idea of having a business where I don't have to spend 14 hours a day on the business because I don't want, that's not the kind of life that I want. I want to enjoy life and I want to enjoy experiences. And then when it's time to work, I'll do some work, but the business is not going to take over my life. So this idea of lifestyle business, it houses everything that I do. You know, you have to have the entrepreneurial mindset to build a business like this, right? As you start to build a team, you have to be a leader. You have to have clear branding in a business like this so people understand what you do. And you have to understand how to market online, how to market digitally if your lifestyle business is going to grow. So it became the umbrella that housed everything that I do. And then once I did that, then my brand started to make sense. Hmm. Okay. I got that. So when you're talking about social media, right? So social media for yourself, uh, building up uh, a social media presence and building up social proof and uh, also social media uh, for uh, the the companies that you go into and and talk to. Is there a difference between kind of the strategy that you have for your own business and what you teach your clients? Uh, Because they're, you know, like, I guess more at the corporate level. Is there a difference between what what you would do in it between those two things? Yeah, definitely. Um, for the corporate level, you know, you're teaching them that they have to post consistently and they have to post content that's more human and content that people care about because, oh, the big corporation, uh, it could come off really dry, 
right? And it could come off really self-centered. So it's teaching them how to have that human element, even though they're this big, big giant thing. For me, it's um, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show people the entire lifestyle business picture. So like when you talk about the the post that you really that got your interest, you know that's me educating people about lifestyle business. And I don't just try to do the good, like a lot of good things that are happening because you you follow me, Michael, so you could test this. I also try to talk about the bad when things don't go well and when they don't and they don't go as planned or hard things are happening. So what I'm trying to do on my social media feeds is show people the the whole lifestyle business picture to educate and to educate them on some of these topics that I I do consult on. Hmm. So it's, it's consistent with my brand. Okay. So what do you, when you talk to companies, what are they typically struggling with when it comes to uh, social media? What do they usually want you to talk about? It's not so much social media per se. Mm -hmm. It's social media as it fits into the full digital marketing picture. Okay. So how do you put together a digital mark, a complete digital marketing strategy? So how do you do the social media marketing and incorporate podcasts and incorporate content creation and email marketing so it's how do you it's how does it fit into the complete picture not so much social media per se and really drilling into social media okay so so a lot of companies are uh, and I have seen this because um, even my company uh, that I that I work for uh, in my day job they've they've recently started a podcast which I thought it was interesting um, <laughs> but is is that the the trend that you've seen a lot of companies now want to get into podcasting and have their own podcasts They want to do anything that's digital marketing related. So yeah, podcasting is definitely part of that. Social media will always be a part of that because social media is always going to grow. Um, Still email marketing because that's popular, but all these areas, yeah, they're really, um, there's a need. So if you wanted to, let's say you did want to drill down, you could be the person that goes to companies and just teaches them about podcasting and how to set up a podcast and what to do and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. Yes, there's a there's a ton of need for that. There's a ton of need if you were just a social media marketer. I'm not just a, like social media marketing is not my specialty. Um, but if it is yours, yeah, there is a huge need. Social media marketing is always going to become popular. So like if you wanted to drill down in any area of digital marketing, there would be some good work for you as a consultant. So when you look at yourself and you look at your skill set that you have now, did, did you um, did you have did you have any mentors? Did you take courses? Like how did you learn this this you know robust skill set that you have that you can charge you know clients a, a good amount of money? Are you are you just self taught? Like what what was that process like? Yeah, I'm completely self taught. I didn't take any courses or or coaching or anything like that because nobody was doing this. So for me, though, I say like my one gift is I'll I'll consume all the free information that is out there on a topic, I'll go out there and consume. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have hired coaches and I have taken courses in you know the last five years of this journey, um, uh, but it was more so around like mindset, getting the right mindset to where I could charge what I could charge. And it was, it was more so around like beating self-limiting beliefs so I can get out of my way a little bit. But the actual like skill set stuff was all stuff that I was self-taught on and I learned and then also things that I was not afraid to do. Like in 2014, I wasn't afraid to go out there and pitch publications. 2015, when I got that first offer for a really decent consulting contract, I went out after that and I started pitching companies myself. I started finding companies and I started pitching them. So it's not having that fear 
of just going out there and just doing it. And if they say no, they say no, that's fine, I'll move on. But I'm, I just go out there and do it. So to, to answer your question, no, I was definitely self-taught on all of this and then continue to build up my skills. So I still learn to this day. Okay. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about, uh, you know, not wanting to work 14-hour days, but then also not being able to work the four-hour work week. What is your typical schedule like? Yeah, my typical schedule is kind of, <laughs> uh, it's kind of weird these days because, you know, I'm talking to you right now from Barcelona, Spain, and I've been in Europe here for the last six weeks. I'm on a six-country consulting tour. I did a consulting gig in Amsterdam, Dublin, London, Paris, here in Barcelona, and then I'm heading to Rome on Saturday for the last consulting gig. So with the time difference, it's caused like a, a weird schedule where like during the day, uh, typically at, at these, I'll go in like on a Monday uh, when I get to a country to do the consulting gig, and it's usually like two to four hour presentation on a topic, um, and these are one-offs. So like a lot of these I've gone and I've done like either the entrepreneur mindset, leaders mindset, branding or digital marketing, and it'll be a two to four hour presentation. I'll go in there, do it. It'll be $15,000 each. I'll do that. And it's, it's one and done. I'm done. So then it frees me up to have like a little bit of time to explore. Like I've done like a lot of touring of these countries um, because I've been here for two weeks each, which has been pretty amazing. And then I've now my with because I do have high end coaching clients. Oh, and that's that's another thing <laughs> that we did. Hit I'm going to get on a little tangent here, Michael. Yeah. Um, when you do go into a large company and consult, they will sometimes allow their department heads to sign on for additional work with you one on one for high end coaching. And when I say high end coaching, you know, they're paying between 10 and 30 thousand dollars to work with you one-on-one -on -one to get even more information. So that's like a, a little side benefit of consulting. But um, so I do have some coaching clients that I've picked up from some of these companies. And so I'll typically actually do that in the evening. And then I'll do my, the coaching clients that I have in the US, I'll also do that in the evening because of the time difference. Um, so I'll, I'll pretty much have the entire day to myself. And then in the evenings is when I'm doing coaching um, but while during the day I'll, I'll read, I'll write, I'll go out and tour. I'll do like a lot of the fun stuff. That's a part of my lifestyle business. And then the meetings and the coaching has been happening at night, but that's while I'm here in Europe. Um, when I'm in the U S it, it would be more of a typical schedule where I'm doing like, uh, this stuff during the day, like in the, in the morning. And then I'll have like the afternoons and evenings free to write or just enjoy some time to myself. Huh. So I, 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 that's, that's interesting. So you're not, so these coaching sessions are not in person then. So you're, you're doing what it's like Skype calls or yep. phone calls or yep. Okay. zoom. Yep. Okay. <laughs> They're All not right. in person. No, even cause I could do some of these in person while I'm in that country, but that's not what, um, that's, that's not what I want to do. Like, I don't want to sit there in person and coach somebody that to me, just, I don't know. It just doesn't feel, it feels different for me. So I'd rather get on like a zoom and they're totally. And besides that, most of what I teach people, I'm showing them through a screen share. Right. So they're seeing my screen and I'm showing them exactly how to do all these processes. Okay. So, so yeah, we'll have to get on like a zoom or something like that for them to see what I'm teaching them. Okay. And, that, and that's pretty awesome because that means you can, you know, really work from any, anywhere you want and still work with your clients regardless of where you're traveling or whatever. So that, yeah, definitely opens you up for a lot more opportunity. 
and uh and it, it's much more convenient that's that's yeah that's great um that's that's why we call it lifestyle business right? yeah yeah i mean you have like this ideal lifestyle business that's, that's pretty sweet and and like i said before doing things that i think a lot of people uh you don't see posting about you don't see people making their their income you know it's like they're they're digital marketers but they're you know making their money in a lot of the more traditional ways whereas i think you've you've kind of picked a route that's um definitely less known to me uh, and i'm sure to a lot of other people out there uh and i'm sure people are, are trying to think like you know what else can i do to make some additional income um so yeah because for me, uh, I have been in this space since 2011, and I've seen it all. And every year, I've seen that there's a new trend. So, like, I remember when remember when Snapchat was like the really big thing, and then Periscope was huge, and then this year it's like live video, um, Facebook ads, and funnels. Like everybody's a Facebook ad strategist <laughs> this year, right? And so I've seen the trend every year that it's it's something, and I do understand the this idea of passive income and selling courses and membership websites. But what I've seen more so in the last year is that people are kind of sick of it. Like people don't, won't take talking head courses anymore. And they want, they need, in addition to the course, they need some like their questions answered and they need follow-up and they need more interaction. And to have a membership website where you're pouring like a, a ton of good content for, you know, $50 a month or something like that, you need a lot of people to make that work. Right. And I've seen a, a lot of people going and it's sometimes to me and I, I this just could be me. It's just my opinion. It feels a little bit like a hamster wheel, like all of the same people are chasing all of the same people for the same things. All the same people read the same blogs, follow the same podcast, are in the same Facebook groups. They're all doing the same things and they're trying to get business from the same people. So it's not uncommon that you could get hit up by four or five people doing the same thing, trying to get business from you, right? <laughs> right. Just, this, just this week, I'll tell you, I've had like four people reach out um, telling me that they have a service that can get me interviewed on podcast. Hmm. And I'm like, great. I, I said, I've been on Pat Flynn. I've been on John Lee Dumas. I've been on some really big shows. I said, I'm totally cool with getting on podcast. When I want to do that, I can do that on my own, but thank you for the offer, right? right. And then they'll <laughs> still try hard to give you the hard sell. And so I determined, you know, like at the end of last year that I wanted to go a different route. I wanted to go a different route. And so when I had these opportunities for consulting and some of them that I kind of didn't even take really seriously at first, I'm like, let me see how far I can push this thing. And that's I ended up signing uh, 16 consulting contracts this year in 16 countries. I'll be going to four continents this year for consulting work. Consulting work will probably be bringing, you know, $300,000 this year for my business. Wow. And it's by far my number one income source. And then the second income source, which Michael had referenced in this post, is when this company, when the companies do want follow-up work, I'll sell them templates and documents and I'll sell them my courses. The courses that I've done, the video courses, I'll sell them to those companies at $5,000 a pop. And that's what the material that they'll use then for follow-up after I'm gone. And that's become the second income source now is I'll go and do the consulting gig. I do a good job. They'll say, hey, can we have some additional training? I'll send them these video courses that I've already done with some documents and they're happy and I'm happy. Hmm. And by having that being the number one and two income sources, Michael, I'm working so much less than when I had, you know, 15 coaching clients and I was running a bunch of classes and I'm doing the Facebook ads and I'm doing this and that. And I'm working so much less this way. 
and I'm making a lot more money. And then I'll do the typical online stuff like uh, coaching a class here and now, here and there, and sell and sell some courses. But I do them now at a premium. I don't have any cheap stuff anymore. I 10x my prices because of there's a lot of value in in those things that I'm teaching. Because I'm not going to teach you how to build a funnel. I'm not going to teach you how to do a Facebook ad. Um, somebody else could teach you that. I'm going to teach you how to get into large publications. I'm going to teach you how to book paid speaking and consulting all over the world. I'm going to teach you how to take what you learned in the internet marketing space and take that to mainstream, everyday, traditional businesses that are going to have far more money to pay you than they will in the internet marketing space. Wow. So that's 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 really awesome. So I, I love meeting people like you who are who have really taken the road less traveled and made it work really well, uh, who are really, really successful and just, you know, doing something different to like stir, stir things up a little bit and, and give people some ideas, especially if they've tried those traditional routes and it hasn't worked for them or they see like it. Like you said, they're on the hamster wheel and they're like, everyone's doing the same thing. What other opportunity is out there? Oh, what's this guy Kamanzi doing? That sounds awesome. Maybe I should try this out too. You know, so that's um, that's that's pretty great. Uh, so I, I'm I'm grateful for uh, for the time that you've uh, and, and wonderful information you provided. I want to know before we close out, uh, how can the Baller Circle get in touch with you and learn more about your business? Yeah, you could head to my website, K Constable. That's C O N S T A B L E, like the police officer. So kconstable.com. Uh, there you'll see right right away, you'll see a f- some four free guides. One will teach you how to book paid speaking. One will teach you how to book paid consulting. One will teach you about large publications in more depth than Michael and I talked about here. And the other one um, will teach you how to figure out kind of what your dream is. And those are free guides when you sign up for my email list. I put out a couple blog posts every week. I send out an exclusive piece of content to my newsletter twice a month that gives them a tip, trick, or hack. But you'll see that I've just built my platform really trying to give people practical. That's like my, my thing is practical and results. I want to give you practical things that you can use and that you could implement in your life and in your business. And I'm not sitting here telling you like what I've done in my business and what I'm doing now is the only way and the way you should do it. I think there's a lot of ways to do this. Um, this is just one way. And if this is one way that's in, that interests you, you'll find a lot of free good information on the site. Awesome. I appreciate that, Kamanzi. That was digital marketing consultant Kamanzi Constable. Thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the Internet Ballers podcast. Be sure to listen next week. I'll be speaking with digital marketing strategist Camila Gornia. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.